Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Streaming live across the world on the interwebs. Uh, <laughs> at Michael Dukes Show. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, at MichaelDukeShow.com. That's where you go on the interwebs to find all the links and all the things and all the stations and translators and everything else we simulcast across. That's right, streaming live across the state of Alaska and around the world. It's uh, the Michael Duke Show. Hi, good morning to you. Happy hump day. Hump day. It is a beautiful uh, time, and we are ready to dive into it. I don't know why. I'm a little <clears throat> I'm a little giddy this morning. I don't know why. Just uh, uh, was it lack of sleep? I don't know. Went to bed last night, then woke up at like 10.30, and I'm like, uh, is it morning? I thought it was morning, and then I realized it wasn't, and I went back to bed. And you would have thought that I would have felt a lot better, but <clears throat> oof, man, so hard to drag out this morning, so hard. Uh, it's uh, it's good. Anyway, welcome to the program, and thank you for coming on board and being part of it. We, uh, we couldn't do it without you each and every day right here on the program uh, we just we couldn't uh, we couldn't be part of it without well we wouldn't we wouldn't be here without you let me just put it that way so thank you for participating on the program the Michael Duke show I was reflecting on this um, I was reflecting on this uh, earlier uh, well I guess late or late last night early this morning and the fact that I have been doing this radio show uh, in one iteration or another we've changed it a little bit here and there but basically the Michael Duke show has been around. For 22 years. And um, I have just been blessed to be able to be part of the communities in this state for so long. And, um, you know, I'm just appreciative. I'm just appreciative of it. And so uh, I want to say thank you to all you guys for coming in and listening. I, You know, you got other things you could do. You could still be sleeping for the love of God. I mean, you could still be laying in bed, uh, hitting the snooze button one more time. But you are, uh, you're here with me, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. So I will try to live up to the expectation, although you probably don't have great expectations. I will try to live up to whatever expectations you have on the show uh, or for the show this morning. Okay, um, what's coming on? What's happening? What's happening today? What's happening today? 22 years, by the way. Um, this last month, the show got started in February of uh, February of 1999. Is that right? No, 19 to 2000. It officially, anyway, whatever it is, 22 years. Uh, anyway, thank you for coming on. So this morning, um, uh, what do we got? Well, this morning we are going to be talking with Representative Ben Carpenter from House District 29 down on the, I guess, the Upper Peninsula. And we're just going to get a state of the session from him. We're just going to get his feel on um, 
on you know what things where things are going, what has been going on, and uh, and you know what's uh, what what's happening. Uh, just you know where are we going from here? We are what forty eight fifty days now into a hundred and twenty day session. Ninety days is what it's supposed to be. I mean, officially we're over the halfway for the statutory uh, session. We know that that's probably not going to happen because come on, these guys can't. They can't follow a statute to save their life. Uh, or they don't have the courage to change a statute, one of the two. Uh, I mean, they could have. I mean, at this time, there's only a two-year moratorium on uh, statutes that are changed or revised by a uh, ballot initiative. And so they could have changed that 90-day, you know, the the 90-day the limit. They could have changed that years ago. And I think, <clears throat> I think Gary Stevens actually has a bill in there to do just that, to change it back to the 120-day mark. Because in the, I guess it's been close to 15 years now since that uh, ballot initiative was passed. Uh, passed? It was passed. Uh, since that ballot initi- uh, initiative was passed, I don't think that they've hit that 90-day mark, but t- maybe twice in 15 years. Um, I, uh, you know, so it, it, it just, it is what it, but here we are, halfway through the session. And, uh, you know, we're getting a feel for where the Democrats are going and where the the business as usual folks, even the Republicans in the Senate, where they're going. We talked about that yesterday with Brad Keithley. And uh, we're just going to see. We're going to see where it lays out. So we're going to get a feel for this and kind of take the temperature of the room, so to speak, with Ben Carpenter, who is going to be joining us here in about 10 minutes or so. We'll be uh, talking with him. And getting the the rundown, the lowdown from the House of Representatives here in the state of Alaska. Then in hour two, well, it's Wednesday, and that means that it should be our weekly visit with uh, State Senator Mike Shower, and he'll be with us for the whole hour, starting at seven o five, for what we like to call the Shower Hour of Power, which is not, as my friend Donna Arduin pointed out. Is not alliteration, uh, which I'm a huge fan of, but it is poetic. The shower hour of power. So it's it's a it's a rhyme. <laughs> it's not alliteration, but it's a rhyme. <laughs> she pointed that out. To, I love her. She's just so analytical on everything, and I'm just like, oh look, it's an alliteration. No, she goes, no, that's actually a. Damn it! I hate it when I'm wrong like that. But you know what? I'm still happy. I still love it. So it is what it is. Um, okay. Uh, so headlines for today, uh, where do we get started? Well, let's see. We have got, uh, we've got some headlines that we can jump into. Uh, there's an, there was an apportionment, uh, discussion last night that took place in the Anchorage assembly. Although ironically enough, they placed the reapportionment public hearing at the end of the agenda when most of the public would have already left the meeting. Uh, the uh, municipality of Anchorage has to reapportion its districts just like the state does every 10 years. Uh, the decentennial thing with the, uh, with the new, uh, uh, you know, with the new um, census numbers that come in. And uh, anyway, they chose, uh, they chose the map that has been laid out by uh, John Weddleton, which apparently is going to create um, a new... It's going to create a new assembly seat. A 12th assembly seat will be added because uh, in 2020, voters approved giving District 1 downtown a second elected seat. 
Now, I don't know the whole backstory on that. I don't know exactly what the argument was. Um, but the assembly members that, you know, they acknowledge that the district one is expanding, essentially doubling its size. Um, and, uh, even though district one currently only has one assembly representative because it has about half the populations of the other districts. So I don't know why they, it has half the population, so it's going to expand, but why does it need two assembly members? Uh, and even the, even the daily news, the ADN points out that in addition to the 12th seat to downtown, which is a heavily left-leaning district, that it could also enhance the assembly's veto power over the Anchorage's mayor, who is conservative. So even they acknowledge that there's some political shenanigans going on. And I only bring this up to you, uh, to, to use peoples, uh, because I know most of you are like, I don't care what happens at Anchorage. And this show is not broadcast on terrestrial radio in Anchorage, so why do we care? Well, because we're watching, right? We're always watching because as goes Anchorage, so could go the rest of the state. We've seen that. We've seen it happen. Right? Anchorage, monkey see, monkey do. Anchorage does something, and pretty soon everybody thinks it's a good idea. So we're kind of watching this to see what happens with it, and uh, we'll, be, we'll be paying attention to this as it goes forward. The public next public hearing on this is going to be on March the 15th. It's going to give the community councils and residents time to review and comment on the proposed map changes. There's a story in the ADN. Um, um, that goes through most of the details of it. Although again, it doesn't it doesn't reflect back. It doesn't even link uh, back to the story as to why a twelfth assembly seat was added in 2020. Voter approved giving District One downtown a second elected seat in 2020. Um, and and quite honestly, I don't remember what was going on. I don't remember the argument. I don't vote in Anchorage, so I don't I don't watch. You know, I'm not watching this stuff probably as closely as I should be. Um, so that's one part of it. What was the other thing? Did you see the weird behavior? I didn't watch the full state of the union, uh, but I watched some excerpts of it and, uh, Nancy Pelosi was, was just acting weird, man. Did you see at one point, uh, the president is talking about, uh, soldiers breathing toxic fumes out of, uh, I guess out of, uh, some kind of fire pits or something, and he's he's you know he's talking about how they're they're doing this, and all of a sudden she's like leaps to her feet and is rubbing her knuckles together like she's getting ready to applaud it, and I with, with this weird smile on her, I mean just weird. Nancy Pelosi just acting weird the whole night. Uh, I mean it made the news, it made social media, uh, Twitter was a twit about it, you know all this kind of stuff, and you're just like man this. It was, I mean, putting aside all the stuff that Biden talked about in his speech, that was some of the weirdest stuff I have ever seen. Not to mention the the fact that the that the Muppet in chief there was like, I don't know. I just, I'll just say that I've never been impressed by Joe Biden in speaking style. His speaking, even back before he was apparently going senile, um, even then his uh, delivery was always so kind of weird and off-putting to me um n- you know nothing nothing really to report at this point but uh yeah anyway just I, it just really struck me nancy pelosi just acting she's like grinding her teeth and running her te- running her tongue over the front of her teeth and it was just weird weird 
Um, and oh, this is the last story before we get to Ben Carpenter. Uh, so this story, it made some headlines the other day and then it kind of died down. And now they're like, well, it's not going to happen. The headline reads, legislators say they're unlikely to stop a split of Alaska's health and social services agency. And this is the executive order that Governor Dunleavy has put out that was going to divide the Department of Health and Social Services uh, into two different agencies, the Department of Health and the Department of Family and Community Services. Now, this is the largest agency in the state. It's got like, I don't know, what is it, 28? No, 3,200 employees. And it it's got a budget of $3.4 billion, which is the biggest chunk of the budget. And many... Uh, administrations have talked about how unwieldy it is to try and control and 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 work through and everything else. So the governor had tried to do this last year, and they came back and said, "No, no, no, this is, thing is all totally flawed, and you needed to do this." And so he withdrew the idea after legislators identified a bunch of the problem, and then he reintroduced it in an executive order in January. Now he has the power to do this. But then there's a, mem- a memo that came out and said, oh, no, this one's got problems, too. But the bottom line is, is that uh, I don't think there's any more squabbling over this. I don't think that there's any more foot dragging. A lot of the Democrats are upset about it. Um, but the bottom line is, is that uh, they don't have the horsepower to make it uh, to make it uh, to, to stop it. Uh, Bryce Edgman said it's been a fait accompli that this is going to become law. 31 votes don't exist in joint session. I think we know that. It requires 31 votes of the 60 members uh, to uh, stop the act. And so it's actually going to happen, and there's a lot of support for it. David Wilson said he supports it. He acknowledged that the legal memo that they found some errors but said they're not significant and they could be fixed and cleaned up. Um, so that's going to cost us a little more money in the beginning, about $2 million, but it'll be made up for in efficiencies in the end. So I don't know, maybe. I mean, you got one department, one division hoarding half the more than half the budget. Yeah, it might be it might be time to kind of split that up and make it more efficient. But people have been calling for that for years. Uh, this is in the Medicaid and Office of Children's Services and everything else and all the health issues. And so we'll see what happens. But they've are they're already acknowledging that this is pretty much a done deal because there's just no chance of uh, stopping it at this point. Which I guess is one silver lining of the fact that everything is so absolutely so divided. I guess that's one way to look at it. All right. Um, we got more coming up. <laughs> so somebody just suggested that Nancy Pelosi was on a myth myth uh, was on a meth bender. I don't know. Maybe it was tequila and her sleeping pills. I just, I have no idea. All right, we're going to continue. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. We are ready to 
go. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'm doing this. See. Uh huh. Uh huh. I got to do a third thing. Uh huh. Uh, okay. There you go. All right. Sorry. Trying to do text. Banned by the Facebook police again. Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremy. <sighs> yeah, somebody said, Chris says, uh, Chris in, on YouTube says, Nancy's dentures didn't fall out. It was amazing. Yeah, somebody said what? I mean, she's the one of the highest leaders of the free world and she can't afford fix-a-dent. It was really weird to watch what was going on. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say other than it was just weird to watch. Again, the, the part where she... The part where she jumps up and um, and uh, and and it's like she looks like she's about to clap. She's rubbing her knuckles together, um, and and like and he's talking about soldiers breathing in toxic gas, and she's got this weird, like manic smile on her face, and I'm just like, what did what? It was it was so weird. You got to go back and watch it. It was so weird. Um, and in fact, I think I followed the link. Let me, let me find the, let me find the link. Cause I was, I was reading Drudge this morning again. And, uh, where is it? Uh, Pelosi distracts with bizarre behavior. Here's this story. You guys can go take a look at that, but, um, you can, uh, you could take a look at this. It is just, it's weird, uh, to see how she was reacting on this whole thing. There's a whole bunch of reactions on there. Some short videos that you can watch, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, it was really weird. It was distracting. Let's just put it, not that it was hard to get distracted from, again, the Muppet in chief, but you know, it is what it is. All right. Um, we're a couple minutes away here from rejoining the radio. And I believe that, uh, representative Ben Carpenter is now joining us, uh, on the telephone here. Let's check in with him. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Michael. I'm doing very well. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. Have you had all the coffee you need? Because I feel like I'm still in desperate need at this point. Um, I've actually only had a couple of sips. Oh, so well, we'll see how it goes. Guzzle that stuff down because I need you. I need you to help balance me out. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little dopey this morning. So, all right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna jump into this and uh, we're gonna get again just taking the temperature of what's going on in the legislature. Tell people things that they may not know about and everything else. Just give us your perspective, as our friend uh, Natasha says. Uh, we're going to get a new perspective from you this morning. So hold the line, and we'll be uh, we'll be right back to you, okay? Sounds good. All right. Uh, State Representative Ben Carpenter on the program this morning, who was kind enough to accept my invitation last night. I thank you for that as well. Um, <clears throat> let's see. What else is going on? Distemper. She acted like a neighborhood dog who had distemper. <laughs> I've never seen a dog with distemper, but it was weird behavior. Uh, let's see. Um, lizard people resisting the urge to shapeshift, says Chris. That's true. Um, your speaker of the house is drunk and addicted to pills. Well, that's just not nice, Brian, but I don't know. I mean, what the heck? I mean, it was weird. The whole thing was just, you watch it, and it's just like, Oh, vodka plus horse tranquilizers equals Nancy Pelosi. 
<laughs> I you go back and you watch some of that stuff and you're just like, are we all watching the same speech? Are we listening to the same speech? Because you leapt up like you thought everybody was going to applaud the fact that soldiers were sucking down um, to- toxic burn pits, smoke from toxic burn pits. It's the weirdest thing. Oh, all right. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get back into that. Um, we've got uh, uh, Mike Shower coming up in hour two. Um, we've got uh, I don't even know what we're gonna do tomorrow. I was gonna be I was gonna say something pithy, and I've got nothing. I've got nothing. Um, <laughs> Ask 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 Ben if they're shooting for four special sessions again. I don't think Ben had a whole lot of choice in it last time. I don't think that that was something that he was working on. You know what I mean? Um, so we'll 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 see what happens there. Here we go. Welcome back. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio, Hump Day. It's Wednesday. We could see Firearms Friday from here. Just makes my teeth itch at this point. I'm ready for the weekend already. It's only Wednesday morning. Joining us on the program this morning to talk about all things legislative. We're going to get a session update, kind of a feel of what's going on over there. State Representative Ben Carpenter from District 29 joins us. Um, member of the, uh, um, uh, well, member of the state house and the minority. Uh, and he joins us this morning for kind of an update on what's going on down there. I mean, here we are, Ben, what are we, 48, 49 days now into the 90 day session. I mean, the 120 day session, whatever it is. And, uh, we, you know, we still haven't heard a whole lot of nothing going on. So I thought we'd call you on and see, what you were looking at, what you were working on, and what uh, what you were seeing from your position there in the legislature. Good morning. Good morning, sir. It's uh, good to be with you again. Well, thanks and, for coming uh, on board. Yeah. Who's counting, right? As long as well, we can just keep adding special sessions, does it really matter? I know somebody in the chat room said, well, ask him if they're going to go for four special sessions again this year. I mean, you don't have any real power in that, but I mean, it just seems to be the norm now, right? Is it, we have at least one or two special sessions every session. Now, this may be different because it's an election year, but, I mean, you know, still, that seems to be the new modus operandi. The the minority does have a say in whether the legislature calls us ourselves back into session. They They need some of our support for that. But if the governor calls us, then you're right. Nobody has a say. Right, right, exactly. Well, you know, we we've been watching this and I just made the mention about the 90-day session versus the 120-day session. You know, it's ironic to me that the legislature can't follow simple statute. I mean, they were ignoring this statute long before they started ignoring the the PFD statute. Um, but they haven't had the they haven't had the moral courage to either change the statute or acknowledge it or anything else, which is the same thing that's going on with the uh, with the PFD statute. Uh, which I just find I- ironic that you know they could have changed it. the 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 ballot measure only holds in effect and is uninterruptible for two years, and then the legislature can modify it. And yet they've left it in place, just ignoring that ninety day statute. Like, oh, nice suggestion, nice speed bump, but we're just going to pay attention to what's going on over here. Even during the COVID year, 
when we passed our budget and we're out within 90 days, it wasn't even a discussion at that point that, hey, we've got this 90-day limit. It was just, um, you know, the world's coming to a halt and we need to be done. Right. And so we, we got it done. But, yeah, there's not a there's not a legitimate conversation amongst the, the leaders of the legislature to try to get done in 90. Matter of fact, the schedule that was put out for um, – the budget process doesn't get us done in 90 days, really. It's and and if you if you really look at I mean, what we are doing, what we're supposed to do is pass a budget. That means we spend money, and we have this big, giant, huge question mark right now as to what it's going to take, what is what what action is going to be required on our part to deal with this these billions of dollars that are coming in from the federal government through the IGF program. Right. So. Um, the more we learn, the more um, comfortable we feel with passing a budget that reflects what we need for this. So if we're not going to learn enough to actually deal with the IJA money as it comes in, then the question becomes, when do we do? When will we need to act? Will it be the next legislature that acts or will we need to come in in special session in order to spend that money? And I guarantee you that there will be a major push if that is the case to have a special session during, during this year, because um, there are certain members of the legislature who are just drooling over the, <laughs> the money that's coming in. And so um, Wait, I thought it, we... it's, it's, it's interesting to, to see conversations about, um, yeah, yay, we've got all this money. And, and I think um, Senator Murkowski was talking about how, how beneficial this, all this money is going to be, yay, stimulus money and EJA money, and then boo, uh, inflation. And I'm, I'm thinking, don't you see that this <laughs> deficit spending is causing wait, inflation? Like, yeah. now we have to deal with the inflation? Yeah, like, it's wait, silly. you can't print money from from nothing and expect there to be no reaction? It's amazing how that works. Amazing, it's absolutely. Um, you know, so uh, tell us what's going on. What are you working on right now uh, in the legislature? I mean, as a member of the minority with this, you know, as little power as the minority can wield in there, um, what are you working on and focusing on here uh, as a member of committee and and uh, and everything else? So we just wrapped up our subcommittee process, and House Finance will have. Uh, we are told that the majority will have the CS, the, the committee substitute, out this Thursday for us to peruse. And you have to remember that the governor put his budget out, and he had a bunch of leftover COVID relief money interlaced in in the budget and he had chosen a way to spend it and then the majority decided to pull all of that out talk about the budget through the through the um uh subcommittee process right and then have a conversation at finance to put that covid relief money back into the budget so that our first look at what they're thinking on how to use that money will be um this thursday when we see the cs and you guys will have no, I mean, you're not going to, you have no inkling of what's going to go into it until the CS is dropped, right? Or do you have some kind of idea of what's, what's coming in it? Uh, uh, well, I, I know what the governor's budget had. I, I know what the dollar figure is, but I don't know where they're going to prioritize that money. It could be exactly as the governor had it. That would be easy. It would be less, <laughs> probably less time consuming for them to just use what the governor had. But I suspect that they'll have their own programs and their own um, ideas on how that money needs to be spent, and so it'll be somewhat different than what the how the governor um, allocated that money. Right, and the governor had allocated this money in part to be able to free up other money so that we could be paid a larger PFD. Right, so 
The question <clears throat> remains is, is the PFD still going to be the wiffle ball that gets passed back and forth, you know, or the birdie, I guess, from badminton to go back and forth across the net? Is that is that what you expect? In, 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 um, technically speaking, yes. You, you use the federal COVID relief money to free up uh, general funds. And then by freeing up general funds, you can use that for other things like paying other bills or paying a PFD or whatever. And really and honestly, this conversation is, <laughs> is, uh, is, that'd be absurd. If we were just following the statutes, the PFD would be, would be first paid out. And then we would be having a conversation between spending and, and, um, and revenue like every other state. Right. And the yep. PFD conversation is already it's done. It's not even part of the budget conversation. Right. Well, and as I've said before in the past, and I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it appears to me that by continuing to avoid the conversation on the PFD, they essentially ignore the main issue here. The main issue is that they're spending more money than they take in, that this is essentially a spending problem. I mean, they framed it as a revenue problem for years while I've been arguing that it's always been a spending problem. But they framed it that far long enough that now we have both a revenue and a spending problem. Uh, but by taking the PFD and batting that around in front of people's faces for all these months, they really ignore the big elephant in the room, which is we don't have enough money, that we're spending too much. And 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 until we take the PFD off the table, this is going to be the perennial battle, right? Um, yes, but I think I would I would say that the, the bigger picture, longer term goal here really matters. And from from the left's perspective and from the majority's perspective, you don't have a, a spending problem. That that what we're spending on is reality. It is what is necessary. And and some members of the majority even want to increase spending, and that and that's going to be the push from the left um, every budget cycle. But the point that I'm trying to get to is. You know, if you look at the revenue forecast for uh, permanent fund earnings for the future, by the end of the decade, we're going to have four and a half, five billion dollars coming out of the POMV five percent draw model, right? And that's that's our entire UGF right now for state revenue. Right. So, if you're if you're really thinking about what the the end goal is, it is to eliminate the PFD so that government is fully funded by investment earnings. And there's a, a theory here that, hey, you know what? All this free money coming from the permanent fund, and that means we don't have to tax. We got this free money. And then and then the size of the government is, you know, whatever the size of the permanent fund earnings is kicking off every year. Right. Well, but the so problem... That's the, that's, that's the thinking that's, that's going on here. That's the long-term goal that we're getting at. So the, the conversation about what the size of the PFD is now is, is largely, let's not set precedent for larger PFDs going into the future that that would be the headed the wrong direction we want to decrease the size of the pfd to the point where it's no longer part of our culture we're talking to ben carpenter a state rep from district 29 i think that there's a healthy dose of naivete in that thought though uh, uh ben because i think history has shown us if if nothing else it has shown us one thing that government and especially this state government and this legislature and past legislatures will suck up all the money in the room pretty much um, unless there's absolutely so much money that they can't spend it all, which is what happened in the early teens, and they were able to put some of that money away. But for the most part, they will spend everything and then some. So even if we give up the PFD, I mean, let's just say hypothetically they take the whole PFD and they use it to fund government, in a couple of years, even with the growth of the fund, 
government will continue to grow and they'll be looking for new revenues again. So we'll still be facing some form of tax down the road. I mean, that historically is what's happened. Well, philosophically, I totally agree with you. If if you're a um, big government-minded individual, then your solutions to everyday problems are going to be look to the government first. And, and then that means you just have to increase funding every year because we have continual problems. What I would say is that what kind of what the problem we have at the legislature, if you look at my inbox <laughs> and the conversations that are happening throughout the halls, is there are constituencies after constituencies after constituencies lobbying for increased funding for uh, legislators to put add, add money into the budget because now we've got a whole bunch of money. Oil's up. Everybody knows that we've got plenty of money going around and you got all the federal money coming in for infrastructure. And so there's a demand from Alaskans to increase spending. Not all Alaskans, but loud minority of Alaskans. Right. Well, so here's the, here's the disconnect. Here's the structural disconnect that we have. You've got 75% roughly, or maybe at least 75% of our workforce works in the non-oil economy that is completely, mostly, disconnected from the budget process, meaning there's no property tax, there's no sales tax, there's no income tax. So when they ask for increased government spending, they're asking for it to come from the permanent fund earnings, or they're asking for it to come from oil taxation. Well, they're asking for it to come from permanent uh, from federal funds. Right. Those are largely the three play areas that we have. So we've got a disconnect because those folks don't feel any pain. And that's what we hear from the business community since I've been in the legislature is we want the legislature to stop looking at us as the sole source <laughs> for increased um, <clears throat> spending. Right. So that they're asking for they've been asking for a uh, functional spending limit. Which, which the Republicans have put forward, one that's tied to the size of our economy. Uh, Representative Coughlin's got one that's, um, that we should discuss, but um, it's, it's not going anywhere in committee right now. So Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Why, why would we limit our spending, right? And, right. and you know, you were, just, you were talking just a minute ago about, um, you know, we don't want to do anything. And that was, that's been clear for, since I've been here. We had an opportunity last year right up until June 30th, <laughs> at the end of the end of the budget season, that the government was going to have to shut down. That's the only thing that would have forced us to come to the table and have a conversation about how do we restart the government? What is right. it that we're going to do? Right. Because without something like that, or a constitutional convention that's going to cause the legislature to have to do something different, or an election that changes the, the players down here so that we're going to think differently... You, you don't you don't have a way to get the the current crop to think differently and and act differently. This right. Is, this is their goal. And of course, when we brushed up against the government shutdown, everybody had the freakout moment and nobody stood strong. I mean, we could have stood strong and fixed some of this problem uh, because sometimes we need a little pain. You know, sometimes the cure is a little painful for the disease. Instead, people instead argued that no, no, we need to continue to suffer for this disease and. And just let it keep going, and that's the problem. They're afraid. Of, they're afraid of the cure. Uh, they know yep. that eventually it will kill us. But uh, at this point, they're like, no, no, no. We can't make those hard decisions, and that's uh, that's part of the problem. Representative Ben Carpenter is our guest. We're going to continue with him here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. When we get back, we're going to talk with him. He was just talking about the disconnect from the people and where the money goes, and not having to feel the pain. 
So we're going to ask some questions about that. He also mentioned the Constitutional Convention and the spending cap. We'll have discussions on that as well. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Ben Carpenter's our guest. We return with him in just a moment. light our guide and our trusted friend okay we're in the break right now ben carpenter is our guest and uh we've got him uh on the we've got him on the break so let's uh let's shift gears just a little bit so we don't repeat ourselves on the radio Ben, what's going on down on the peninsula these days? Anything you want to share with us or the listeners who are hanging out with us uh, from the peninsula as to what what things you're focusing on or looking at down there right now? Um, well, uh, my family um, has were latecomers to the COVID uh, issue, and so the last few weeks our family's been uh, fighting that battle. And uh, so that's kind of what my personal focus has been on um, there and digging out from all the snow that we've gotten. Um, I know that the, uh, the infrastructure money that's coming in, for, you know, from a um, state money perspective, infrastructure money that's coming in has got um, requests coming in from the borough down there. And, <clears throat> and so we're working through figuring out what we can, what we can support and what we, what we can't. I mean, there's always more asks than there is uh, money to go around. And so sure. um, that those will be the conversations that'll be happening here as well. In <clears> the <throat> future. That's the danger, isn't it? That there's all this free money. It, 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 uh, it creates its own set of problems, right? I mean, when you, when you got free money, you, you, you dream up projects that you never would have considered if you had asked the local taxpayers to pay for it. I know. And it's, it's so, it's so frustrating to me to, to realize that the free money that this generation is thinking, hey, this is beneficial to us, is going to be paid for by future generations. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In, in the form of higher taxes. And it just it is just frustrating to me <laughs> because I don't I don't want to look at my my grandkids and my grandkids and kids and say, gee, thanks, man. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You got to look at you got to hold that little baby grandbaby and go. Who, who's who's a good little taxpayer? Who's you know, a good little we're taxpayer? We're having conversations about um, new defined benefits program. For, right. Um, it started out as uh, police officers, firefighters, and now all the other unions, education, and you know everybody else wants in on it, right? And and I'm thinking to myself, if if your argument is is such that you have to have a better retirement package. Then why don't we have a conversation about changing the current package to make it more lucrative? Maybe increasing the, the the contribution that the state makes in today's dollars, so that the cost is being borne by today's folks, right? As opposed to creating a new program that puts the burden on future generations. Yeah, I mean, why, why do we think that's the best way to go? It's, it's did, dumb. Didn't we already traipse down this trail? Didn't we already see what happened and what defined benefits programs brought to the table before? 
I mean, it, it, you know, it so le- even the Department of Defense has gone away from it. You don't get a defined benefits retirement anymore from the Department of Defense. Yeah. Well, and look at the, some of the major companies, GM, Delta Airlines, they had to be bailed out from by the federal government for their defined benefits programs before they pulled the plug on those. And, yeah. I mean, while there have been a few that have worked out, for the most part, they've been kind of an unmitigated disaster because it, actuarials had such a hard time trying to figure it out. We ended up with a 12 billion dollar liability on ours that we're still paying for and just to open that floodgate again seems to make no sense whatsoever the reality is a defined benefits program puts the risk of future unknowns on the state yep. whereas a defined contributions plan puts the risk on the individual and i believe that is where it should re- re- lie is with the individual and not with the state right because because the risk at the future is is then borne by future generations that had no no say in the spending. Right, and they're con- they're contractually obligated to fulfill it, even though they had no say in what was going on. That's right. Yeah, and that is, I mean, that's just that's insane at this point <laughs> to think that that's good. And and every time I see the reboot of this argument, I just roll my eyes and I'm like, do you people not learn? I mean, or is it intentional? Are they just ignoring it at that point? Are they just ignoring the, the, the pitfalls of this so that they can get their constituency rallied up and taken care of now, not caring what happens in the future? Uh, the answer is yes. It is very myopic. It is solve the problem in front of us, and thinking about the future is hard, so I'm not going to do it. Right. Yeah, I could see it. I could see it for sure. Uh, very, very frustrating. And, of course, all as I was saying earlier, all these new monies and everything else coming in just leaves them, uh, you know, to uh, to build them being, you know, both municipalities and, and boroughs and constituencies creating all these grandiose plans because, oh, we, now we finally got money that we can do whatever we need. Oh, man. You know, there's a silver lining here. People ought to be aware and, and uh, looking at who it is that's re- requesting all of this increased spending. And that becomes your kind of your litmus for who you're going to support in the in the next election. Right. If you want to see a change in the legislature and the, the priorities of the legislature, then don't elect people that are beholden to those constituencies. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree totally. All right. Well, we are about 30 seconds out. So hold the line, Ben. We're going to be back to you here in just a moment. Ben Carpenter is our guest. Uh, invite you to uh, I invite you to share this video. Share the Facebook page, share the share it with your social media to like and follow the show page. And of course, if you're on YouTube, to subscribe and hit the bell. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Base, Free Thinking Radio. We're continuing now with Ben Carpenter, GOP state rep for District 29 on the Upper Peninsula. Before we went to break, um, Ben was talking about how you know we got these three legs of government. We've got the the oil revenues from the taxation. We've got the earnings of the permanent fund, um, and we've got federal spending. Those are kind of like the three legs of the stool at this point. And every time somebody comes to the table asking for more money. Those people who are involved have really got no stake in the game. And this is, it reminds me when you say that of something that Hammond wrote about when he argued against eliminating, uh, completely eliminating 
the uh, income tax in the state of Alaska, his argument had been just zero it out because we may need it before because that was the one thing that tied Alaskans to the spending. I mean, Alaskans, because they don't see the tax, because all the taxation that they have on them today is pretty much hidden, with the exception of the taking of the permanent fund, uh, because all the money passes through government fingers first, um, they are really kind of disconnected. And so that was one of Hanneman's arguments. Is Are you looking at that now? Are you seeing that maybe that is the only way to get people involved is through some, you know, is to connect them through some form of taxation where they feel it. I mean, especially when we're talking about like the upper 20 percentile of income earners who the PFD doesn't really affect them, uh, the taking. It affects mostly everybody underneath them. But any other form of tax, now their ox would be gored. Is that, I mean, is that kind of ringing true for you now or what are your thoughts? Yeah, so um, yes, in one respect. And then I would just say that it's, that in my mind, the picture is a little bigger. And go back to this concept of 75% of our um, Alaskan population working in the non-oil economy. If you think about the opportunity that exists within the state for economic growth, it's not in the oil industry. I mean, yes, we could grow, but the worldwide pressure on developing for oil isn't going to go away anytime soon. Like, we're still going to need oil, but it doesn't necessarily have to come from Alaska. So I'm, I'm not optimistic that we're going to have another boom of oil development in the state. If we want increased prosperity in the state of Alaska, we need to be looking at diversifying our economy away from the oil industry. And that largely is that 75% of the population that works in the non-oil industry. So you're talking agriculture, you're talking value-added products to our natural resources. You're, there's a whole, whole host of economic opportunity that exists but corporations are what our 75% of the people that are wanting increased state spending look to to pay for their increased spending. Right. So we have one of the highest corporate income tax rates. So who's going to bring the investment revenue or the investment capital into the state to invest in an opportunity if they're going to pay one of the highest corporate income tax rates right off the bat? Right. So if you want to stimulate economic growth, we've got to have reduction in our corporate income tax structure, and we've got to have lower cost energy. Those are two main things that we've got to do to, to stimulate economic growth. And we're not going to do that if we're looking at, if you're not willing to change the corporate income tax structure and restructure how we do taxes within our, within our state government. So the system that we've got, the structure that we've got is counterproductive to what we really want, which is diversified economic growth within that non-oil economy. Right. Uh, ben Carpenter is our guest. We're talking about things going on in the legislature. Uh, you mentioned the Constitutional Convention. I have uh, uh, I have made comments that I am leery of it simply because it opens up the floodgates for any Tom, Dick, and Harry to really want to come in here and make changes. But I do agree that it may be the only solution to uh, to the fact that there is this stalemate in the legislature where they just want business as usual to continue, they want to hold the dividend issue hostage because it, it again it 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 prevents them from having to address the real root problem uh, out there. Uh, what are your overall thoughts on a constitutional convention? I mean, is it the only answer in your opinion, or is it the easiest answer? What 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 are your thoughts? Well, it's not the only answer. The One of the answers can come in November when all but one of our legislators is up for re-election. So that would be the quickest and easiest, is to just change the legislature, the makeup of the legislature for the next um, next legislature in, in January 2023. 
that would be the, the quickest, right? Um, in reality, uh, are we going to see significant change in the in the uh, um, makeup of the legislature? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> My right. bet is that we're not going to see a significant change. Um, so, in that, if that's the case, then the only real way that we're going to see significant change is either to have some um, a significant emotional event that causes the legislature to actually change, like a government shutdown or some something else that causes so much pain that they have to address the, the structural problem, or uh, some constitutional convention that that it, that totally disregards the legislature and does it on their own. So it, I, I think that it's a sequence here of if we don't get the don't get the election the the, uh, the election outcome that we want, then the next thing that we have to have is a constitutional convention to do it. And I would argue, um, so I just, I was, uh, spent some time down at CPAC this uh, last weekend, and it was very interesting. That the t- one of the takeaways that I had was very interesting to see the, um, the reports and the amount of conservative action that was happening around the nation at the local grassroots level. You're talking school boards, city councils, that type of thing. Right. And, and people were, were mostly focused and frustrated about the overreach of government through the COVID crisis and um, education and, and what they're the social reengineering that's happening in the education system. And so you've got a lot of people at the local level throughout the nation who are being successful at getting elected to positions that are traditionally haven't had conservatives in, in in a while. Right. So, and I would just point to Matt Sue recent elections, the election in, um, in the Anchorage for mayor, we're seeing a, a groundswell of conservative um, action, and that could result in a more conservative makeup of the constitutional convention than what our legislature is. It is possible if we are motivated and if we participate in a level that's necessary to, to, to make that happen. And I think that the numbers within the state of Alaska support that. We're still a center-right state when we choose to participate. I, um, I'm still, and I'm, and I, again, I'm still concerned of the monkeying that could happen in a constitutional convention. But it may be the only solution, as you said. We could change out a bunch of players in this next election. The problem is we've changed out a good chunk of the legislature over the last three or four years. Yet the ones that are in there that are the business as usual crowd, I mean, they face no challengers. They face no real opposition in their district. So while many districts may be crying for change, there are other districts that are like, no, it's okay. We'll send them back again. Even though they've done things that are completely different. Um, you know, it, it's, it, 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 I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know how to rally the people in these various districts who keep sending the same business as usual people back again and again. Um, it's interesting because on one hand, you've got the left who's um, afraid of changing the legislature, the structure, right, that they want to keep the, the status quo. And on the other hand, you've got the, the right that would be scared of having change come from a constitutional convention. And so really what we're, we've got is a, a stymie here on, on change. We just, we just right. don't want to accept that change is necessary and that there's risk involved every time you have change. Right. The question really is, What's the opportunity cost for not changing? And is that a greater cost than what the opportunity cost is for doing the change? True. We're going to have problems either way. True. No. What, I mean, what are the problems going to be if we try to solve our current problems through a constitutional convention? And yeah, there will be other problems that we have to deal with. That's 
that's life. Yeah, no. We have problems, and we just have to overcome them. I will say I'm leaning more and more towards a constitutional convention because I just don't see uh, I don't see any other option. And it will be it could be dangerous, but we'll just have to be diligent. Um, we're out of time. Uh, I'll hold you over through the top for just a minute or two because I do want to ask you about things that people may not know about that are happening in the legislature. So we'll do that over the break. But thank you for coming on board, uh, Ben Carpenter. Appreciate you being part of it. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. Coming up next, we got Mike Shower. He's going to be joining us. We're going to finish chatting with Ben Carpenter here for just a second, and then we will return. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Luke Show continues right after these messages. We're going to break away for the local stations for top of the hour news and more. More Common Sense Radio when we return. Don't go anywhere. Okay, um, so I guess this is the this is the question, Ben. Um, uh, and I, I wanted to get to this earlier, but boy, this the first that hour just sneaks away from me. It flew by, didn't it? It didn't, and I always just like a look up, and I'm like, "Oof, man, minute and a half." Um, so, what what are people that? Because you know, one of the things that I'm frustrating with is that I don't have time all day to sit on gavel to gavel and watch everything and do all that. I'm counting on, in part, you know, my local news outlets to kind of give us some idea of what's happening. But it's just it's just crickets, man. There's a whole lot of nothing going on, according to the major news sources that are out there. So. Uh, tell us about something down there that people may not know about but should be important to them, things that are happening in committees or subcommittees that we just may not be aware of. Well, I can talk about one thing, and I've, um, you know, I, I've, I've attempted this this, this uh, current legislature to do something that I have not been able to do in the last legislatures. I created a website and a blog, and I've written to try to communicate better than what I was doing on Facebook. So if right. you go to bencarpenterpost.com, you'll be able to, to read some of my thoughts and, and on the things that are happening and are important to me. And so one of the things that is, you asked for a different perspective, and one of the things that's coming up here that I think has got bipartisan support and is dangerous to our state is this uh, Senate Bill 111 and the edu- education rewrite. There's bipartisan support for this bill. Right. And in, in essence, what it's going to do is um, enable the State Board of uh, Education to define – standards for reading and then enable or direct the <laughs> Department of Education and Early Development to um, go into districts, to intervene in districts who are failing to teach uh, reading appropriately. And this is a this is something that the rest of the United States is, um, you know, at the local level is trying to claw back local control of their education system. Right. And here in Alaska, we're looking at going the opposite direction. So what we've got with a failure of our schools to teach reading is a local control problem. So our state policy should be empowering parents to solve their own problems, to, to get the, the local school board and the local school district to set their own standards. They can already set the standards and they can already control the, the quality of teachers right. it's already at the local level. So we don't need an over, um, overbearing state government. To, to take away local control problems. So anyway, that bill is coming up, um, I believe, will be hot and heavy here in the uh, in this legislature. That is that is one thing that it will affect us. And and I believe wholeheartedly that Alaskans, Alaskan parents, still want local control of their school districts. Yeah. But maybe they aren't participating like they need to 
in order to make the change necessary. Is it? And so uh, that's what that's what we're finding throughout the the entire United States that that's what we have to do. Is this part of that read by nine program and everything else? That's correct. And and yeah. basically, what we're saying is the left is saying, well, I, we're not going to agree to increase standards and read by nine program unless you give us pre K, um, statewide pre K. Hmm. So we got to make a deal with the devil to agree to um, um, basically <laughs> subsidized uh, um, daycare for getting a, a, a statewide solution to reading. And I just think that it's not necessary. Right. Well, it'll be an interesting discussion. I mean, we should be looking at education in a lot of ways, including their standards and at their budgets and their programs and their uh, and their formulas as well. But... We'll, we'll see. We being the state, or we being parents at the local level. Well, we we both we parents at the local level and the state. We need to look at both of those things. I mean, the budgetary stuff is a legislative function, especially the educational component. I mean, I've homeschooled all my kids, so they can all read, and they can all read well, and they all enjoy reading. So, I mean, I took that I took that bull by the horns myself. Everybody else needs to do the same thing. And what we've really got is a culture problem where there are parents in some districts who aren't doing that. Right. And so does that mean that we now need an over an overarching state program with more state funding and more state employees, more state retirement in order to solve the problem? Or does it need to be solved at the local level? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you there. All right. Well, thank you, Ben, for coming on board. I appreciate you being part of it today. Hope I gave a different perspective. I think you did. I think you did. It was good stuff. Uh, and I think pre-K would be a disaster. There's new studies coming out that showing that, showing that pre-K is more disastrous than anything else um, uh, and 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 uh, uh, detrimental to a child's education. Anyway, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for coming on board, Ben, and uh, being part of it today with us. Uh, We've got uh, Mike Shower going to be coming up here in just a moment. We're going to dive into that with him. Um just say no to pre-K, says Chris Hayes. Um, I worked as uh, an e-waste as an e-waste collector in Kotzebue, said Sean. School district threw out gimmicks that cost hundreds of thousands of dollars. Hearing why that stuff was there, lazy teaching. School was buying giant media consoles to get a child's education. School that doubles as community centers. Adult uses school more than their children. I mean, <clears throat> again, all that stuff needs to be addressed. We need to be looking at that stuff for sure. Uh, YMCA literacy programs work, said Kathleen. Southern states have these literary, literary programs in public schools, and their reading is improving. I, I guess, and yes, the but the parents also have to, I agree with Ben, that the parents also have to take uh, direct control and direct uh, action. And in fact, that's what you saw. I mean, the race in West Virginia, for one, was just, I mean, Yunkin, that whole race bo- basically boiled down to Parents wanting to take control of their children's education. I think that was really the crux of that whole race when it was all done. Um, it's uh, it's it, you know it, it just makes sense to me um, that uh, parents should be taking a little bit of a closer course of what's going on. Um, keep firing them each election, and the ones who should have lost all power in 2020 were put right back in charge, put right back in control of Senate and House finance until all those who were taking control of the Alaska legislature remove these corrupt uh, legislators from finance. Nothing will change. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. All right, we're out of time. We got uh, more coming up. We're going to continue. Hour two is dead ahead. The Michael Duke Show. 
Mike Shower is going to be joining us in a hot second. Don't go anywhere. Back with more right after this. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Oh, uh, yeah. Streaming wide across the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com with the audio-only stream. Links to our Facebook, our YouTube, our Twitch ch- uh, channel. All of those things. In addition to that, of course, broadcasting across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator. Thank you for coming in and joining us. It's Wednesday. We just finished up with Representative Ben Carpenter with a kind of a new perspective on what's going on in the legislature. We appreciate that. And uh, we uh, got a little bit of a look behind the scenes on that, and we we welcome it. Uh, hour two, though, now, and we're diving into what I like to call the shower hour of power. That's right. State Senator Mike Shower joins us this morning to talk about all things legislative and to give us his perspective on what's happening. We just got the House side and kind of the general feel from the House minority side Let's take a look at what's going on from the Senate majority side, the Senate caucus of equals uh, that we like to hear so much about. State Senator Mike Shower joins us right now. Hello. <laughs> you said it wrong. It's the caucus of unequals, Mike. Oh, Come the caucus of the terminology. Right. All right. The caucus of unequals. I got some more emails after we talked about this last week, this whole uh, the Senate uh, reelection fund and all this stuff, the majority reelection fund and and how it was passed out. And I got the breakdown on on some of the spend outs on that for you know what everybody was receiving. And uh, it really did hammer home that it is kind of a caucus of unequals, right? I mean, at this point, it's not uh, it's it's not great uh, because uh, you, you, not everybody got not all animals were created equals in the Senate uh, in the Senate majority is what I'm seeing right now. Yeah, I've been saying that for a year. You know that though. It's just every time you look around a little something else, there's another piece of evidence that goes, "Yep, uh huh, all right, noted." Is what it is, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it was pretty. It's pretty crazy. Uh, especially you can see who the uh, who the beloved stepchildren are and who the redheaded stepchildren are in this uh, response. Uh, you, Rob Myers, Shelley Hughes, Roger Holland, you guys only got about half of what everybody else got. For their re-election campaigns, uh, even though it's supposed to be for the re-election of incumbents and the encourage, uh, encouragement of new candidates, I guess that means that everybody that got less money, they want to encourage new candidates to come in, is kind of how I read it. Well, look at the names you just mentioned, and look at who has caused trouble for the old guard mm-hmm. and the institution, you know, mm-hmm. um, so based on those four names and whatever, who 
whoever you've got, whatever, whoever emailed you at the rest of that list, which I can imagine based on what I had been told, um, it would be pretty clear that based on voting records, stance on the PFD, the budget, um, you know, does it, I mean, really, Mike, I mean, it tells the story, doesn't it? It tells you the whole story. It does to me because it shows that all the members pretty much, uh, almost all members of the old guard or new members of the old guard got the this full amount of almost a thousand bucks and everybody else got half that. And, uh, and uh, so I, I think it was pretty clear to me when it was all said and done who, uh, you know, how the caucus of equals is working out so far. It's just one more. It was just one more, you know, feather in the in the cap of uh, of wow, this new caucus of equals is working out good, and uh, something's got to change. That's all I'm saying. Nah, something's got to change. It just proves it's lies, Mike. It's yeah. just a bunch of lies and people telling people, you know, saying things to their district at home, saying things on social media, saying things to the press that clearly are not true. They clearly don't believe in it. They clearly aren't going to execute that. They're just saying it. So they can have their positions of power or do whatever they're going to do. I don't know, Mike. It's so disappointing. But, you know, at this point, five years into it, I should not be surprised or disappointed by whatever I see. I really shouldn't be. Brad, Ke- uh, Brad Keithley this week came on and, and uh, you know, he laid out some thoughts from his perspective on what was going on and some of the, you know, you could see some of the talking points and some of the battle lines being drawn right now with the old guard and the business as usual crowd how they're already uh, basically freezing everything in the way of basically saying, well, no matter what we do, we got to cut the dividend because that's that's the one solution that we have. Uh, of course, the fact that AK Ledge, uh, excuse me, that Ledge Finance produced no other documentation on any other option, even though Alexi in the beginning of his summation said, hey, I've got other options we could talk about. But it was pretty clear that he'd gotten his marching orders to talk only about the taking of the PFD. Uh, you could already see these battle lines being drawn. They are they are looking to take it. They're looking to zero it out, and uh, eventually we will have no PFD, which eventually means it will eventually lead to no PFD and some form of taxation down the road because they never saw anything that they didn't want to increase. Mike, I told you that. I've been telling you that this crowd for two years that. I've been saying this nonstop. They're going to take it. They're going to take it all. They're still going to tax you. They're taxing you by taking the PFD. They're going to tax you via a broad-based tax, an S-corp tax, and any other tax they can get their hands on because they're going to grow government. And I don't know what Ben said this morning. I didn't listen in, but him and I just talked a few days ago, and we've been talking for some time. Him and I and Ben McCabe and others were on the working group, the fiscal policy working group last uh, last fall. And, you know, as much as I don't want a tax, Ben and I and Kevin have discussed it, you know, what – Tell me what pressure, when you hear people like Stedman say, oh, downward pressure on the budget. You know, he says it all the time, but he never means it because there's no downward pressure on the budget because the budget always goes up. If there's so much downward pressure and he's always a finance co-chair and he was really serious about it, there would actually be real cuts to spending. There would be real downward pressure to hold things, and yet there's not. It's going up. So it's just it's just lies, Mike. It's, it's talk, right? It's nothing but talk and spend, so you can sound good to your district, you can sound good on sound bites in campaign season, but you never actually intend to do it. I've told you this, you know, for years, you've seen, I've seen it from the inside. Right. So, but the downward pressure of the PFD being taken has finally broken some things in the system, the old guard, the politicians, the special interest, the big unions, the big lobbyists, the big businesses, all of that finally has had to battle for their slice of the government money. 
Why? Because they started taking it out of people's wallets. Well, what does a tax do, Mike? A tax takes money out of your wallet, citizens' wallets. Lobbyists don't get hurt. They get paid. Unions don't get hurt. They get their slice because everybody's afraid of them, right? In campaign season, they're going to lose their seats, right? The the big business, they're going to be taken care of because they got money to lobby and do it. So they get taken care of. They get their slice of the pie and ever more. But the citizens get screwed because who do the citizens have on their side, really? Well, it's supposed to be legislators, right? Well, clearly legislators, a majority at this point, are not because we can never vote to protect the PFT or to do a statutory PFT or even to do a half 50-50 PFT while the economy is slaughtered over the COVID debacle. But a tax is a direct downward pressure on the budget because it ties the people to what's happening in their state government. They come and go, wait, how come you're, how come you're taking three-quarters of my PFD? How come you're taking more out of my paycheck? That gets people engaged, Mike, because it pisses them off, and then they want to talk to the legislature. You're gone, buddy. You're, you you right. keep taxing me and, and growing government. So Ben and I have discussed this, and you know, not wrong, he's not wrong, that if you don't tie government spending to something that gets the people engaged – i.e. a tax, then people are going to do what we've done for decades here, Mike. They just go, oh, yeah, government grows, I don't care. Oil's paying for it. Well, and especially yep. as especially as we look towards the spring forecast, which should be out here in a few days, uh, and we're going to see, I mean, the fall forecast was already kind of rosy, the revised fall forecast, and now we're looking at uh, now we're looking at the spring forecast, which is going to be even better. Which means government's going to have even more money. There's less of an argument to not fulfill the statutory PFD at that point, and yet it's not. You know, you could you could shout till you're blue in the face, uh, and you you support a statutory PFD, but do you have enough people with you to do that if no. we end up having more money? No, we don't. I guarantee you, Mike. I guarantee you. I've got my intel watching people walking through the building, and two Senate finance co-chairs have been popping in and out of buildings all over the place over the last two weeks, in and out of different rooms, especially in the House, leadership, blah, blah, blah. Remember, on the Senate majority side, we haven't even had one meeting yet, not one. We haven't met as a group since last year. So I don't have any idea what my so-called leadership, or at least most of them, are thinking, doing, scheming, planning, nothing. I've met with the Democrats more than my own Republican leadership because they're not talking to us. I have no idea what they're scheming. And we've asked for meetings. It ain't going to happen. So I'm telling you right now, the fix is in. Um, They've got their plan. They've got the Senate Bill 199-200. I was hoping the Democrats or a majority of them would stick with us on trying to at least get a 50-50. I predict now, here's the fix. This is what I think they're up to right now. What they're going to do is they've got this deal worked out where they're going to try to get a 50-50 to make it seem good. They're going to give you the big sales pitch in the car. You know, this is sales versus service. Right. Oh, come on in. We got that nice car for you, the SUS 6000. You know, remember RoboCop back in the day? Right. And uh, we got that for you. But, you know, once you get the deal, then they're going to tell you about, you know, you go to the back in service. And they start saying, well, you know, that's an extra 5000 for the uh, undercutting of the car. And then the uh, insurance part of it's going to be in the 7000 Yeah, that that. Eighteen nine ninety nine. They promised you, you know, on the sales pitch on the TV or in the newspaper ad. You get there, it's like you know thirty nine thousand. So uh, when they add up all the other costs, I'm telling you, Michael, it's going to be fifty fifty. 
and then it's going to be an eleven or twelve hundred, and a twelve hundred, and a thirteen hundred, and above a step down. It's all statutory. It's not going to be tied to anything constitutional protected. It's going to be the Charlie Bound Trust Us. A few years down the road, we'll take a look at it. That's it's SB fifty three from last fall that six of us were able to kill, but it's back. Right, and they're going to shove it down our throats. And you're, they're going to try to convince people to vote for it because it's, oh, it's going to be 50-50 this year. It's going to be a nice PFD, 23, 2400. It's going to be great. Watch about what the rest of it's going to be. It's going to go right back down again, and it's going to be statutory because you trust us to follow the statutes, right, Mike? <laughs> and, it's, <laughs> and it's not going to be tied to the PFD or this Constitution. It's not going to have spending cap, the taxes, or anything else that solves the problem long term. It's going to be their little finally get something in statute that changes the formula and then they can start saying we're following the law this is what it's about mike it's about the narrative and changing it so people can stop beating them up over the statutory formula that's still in there you watch that's the fix that's what's going to happen and they're coordinating with other people in the house right now to do it you watch i that leads me. I'll eat my freaking hat if I'm wrong. It leads me to a bigger question then. I mean, what, how do you stop it? I mean, is the governor, does the governor have the wherewithal or the uh, uh, the political that, will to veto it? That uh, will be if our final catch. Yeah. And the only way we will stop it at this point, my guess is based on numbers, the governor will veto it. But um, they're not stupid, Mike. They're going to set us up to fail. I guarantee you this is what Stedman and his little evil machinations are doing. What they're going to do is they're going to set it up so if the governor vetoes it, there won't be anything in the budget for a PFD. And so it will be their little scheme of a 50-50 this year and then small, tiny PFDs moving forward in the statute so they can say they're following the law. Or it will be nothing if the governor vetoes it because it won't be in the budget. I could be wrong, but you watch. I bet that's exactly what they're doing. It's going to be that or nothing. Because that's what they set us up for last year. Well, sure. That's why we're. That's why we had enough well, people to kill it. And it'll no, be, we're not doing that. It'll be more games with everything tied to other projects and you know things being contingent on other votes and drawing it not from the earnings reserve account but from other general funds accounts. And it's a more. It's a way to continually step by step divorce the permanent fund uh, dividend from where it was supposed to come from, where it was supposed to be, what it was supposed to be. And uh, they do that year by year, and pretty soon, it, it you know nothing looks the same because they're so far away from it, and it's just a step by step process. It's a it's a scheme, Mike. It's a it's a plan, and it's all it's all almost all of it's coming from the old guard, and this is their way to get out of being beat up over not following the statute. They they may very well get their wish this year because I don't know if there's numbers to stop it, and the people that always waffle in the middle, I don't know if they're going to vote. I don't know which way they're going to vote. I don't know, but I can, I can, I'm just starting to feel the, the tide shift. I'm getting that inclination and the fix is in. We'll see. But I, I think that they've, uh, I think they're working on the numbers of promises and backdoor, you know, behind, behind the uh, door handshakes, et cetera. And I'm, I'm getting really concerned that that's what they're going to do. So here we go. You watch. I, I could be wrong, but maybe in about two weeks is, is when they're going to bring it up. Now it's not next week. Or it's not this week or next week. Like it's, it's supposed to be. Well, we'll be watching to see what happens. Mike Schauer is our guest. We'll continue with him here in just a moment. Uh, Next uh, segment, we can talk about the CONCON, his election bill, whatever he wants to talk about. We'll break it wide open and see what uh, he has to say. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio.
We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right, we're in the break right now. Mike Shower is our guest. Man, dude, you're seeing a little down in the dauber over that. I mean, like it's just an it's an inevitable. It's inevitable. I mean, are are we f- kind of facing that? Where, I mean, do you think that there is a chance that the governor doesn't veto it? If he does veto it, do they have the votes to override? I mean, what? what no, do you- that's the only good news, Mike. If he does veto it, they won't be able to override it. But I'm telling you, and I'm not down. I'm pissed. There's a difference. Down is like we won. This sucks. You know, we're gonna get. That's different than you, son of a freaking and pissed off about them screwing the middle class and the poor once again the citizens are going to get screwed so i'm not down brother i'm pissed but the problem is with this system i don't know that we have the votes to stop it they've been working on this for years and that even though we've got billions and billions of dollars and windfall in the pfd and well over a billion more in oil money because of the price of it and billions of federal dollars flowing in got to protect your government Right. Got to make sure it's well fed. Got to make sure that money flows to those big unions. Got to make sure it flows to those big businesses. Got to, but the people, hey man, you guys need to suck it up and quit being so greedy. You know, <laughs> want wanting more money for your quality of life? How dare you? Go work your job. Oh, wait a second. Do you mean uh... the greed and the entitlement is astounding to me? I mean, is that? I mean. <laughs> Is that kind of the attitude you're talking about there? I'm just wondering. Well, from a lot of people, Mike. I mean, it's not, it's Democrats and Republicans. It's some, well, I can't really say it's much too conservatives, but certainly the the moderate and, you know, and the, the left. But you can't say that about everybody because you got guys like Willikowski that fully supports the PFD and is against the little schemes coming out of the finance table. Right. But you've got some Republicans in there that you would think would help support and stop it. But I don't know that they're going to. And I can guarantee I'm going to hear the excuses already. Mike said, well, you know, I, I got to vote for it because it's 50-50 this year. And, and, and you know, I got to do that. I'm like, yeah, but if you do that, it's kind of like voting for the budget every time that always has a smaller PFD and then saying, well, I had the battle for the PFD, but we lost. But I got to vote for the budget because, well, darn it, that's our constitutional duty. Yeah. Um, yeah, but when you vote for that, you've let them win because you're giving them the smaller PFD every time. If you would say no and enough of us would say no, they would have to come back and renegotiate, and we might have a chance of getting the people a better deal. Why we're talking about getting the people a better deal is beyond me. It's like a freaking car salesman, So I go back to my analogy, of trying to sell the people a better car for a lower price, and yet the people get screwed. Again, that's why I'm so angry right now, Mike. The ones that are getting screwed are not the government. It's not your politicians. It's not your all of the people that suck off the government. It's the average citizen working, trying to get by the ones that are getting screwed again and again and again. And I am freaking sick and tired of it because I don't know how to beat these guys right now because we can't get enough people to stop it. So um, it's frustrating, bro. That's all it is. All you're hearing right now is just frustration because I can, I can feel it. Over the last few weeks, last month, I thought maybe we've got a chance to do the 50-50 in statute and we would tie that simple constitutional um, fixed to it, right? Saying what we said from the fiscal working group was there shall be a PFD paid every year in accordance with the statute. Any changes moving forward must be approved by a vote of the people. We thought, well, you tied that very simple constitutional amendment 
you the statutory change of a 50-50. And while it's not statutory anymore, it's also not them screwing you over with a you know an $800 right. you know, nice PFD. You should be appreciative of that. And it's locked away. So I'm like, well, it was moving that way. And I thought some of the Democrats were going to jump onto it and enough Republicans that we might actually get there. I'm not convinced of that now. I'm starting to see these little these little meetings taking place, and I can feel it. I mean, just in my bones, not 100% sure, but I can feel that change taking place right now, and I can just sense it in the building. So we'll see. But I, I'm starting to think here comes next the next Roger Holland dumpster fire, and the people are going to get screwed. We'll see. I hope not. I'm still trying and <laughs> working with other folks, but I can feel it. You could feel really it. Uh, he could feel it in his bones. That's uh, where it's at. We may talk about that here uh, as well and continue to expand upon that. And uh, I think we'll probably – this leads actually directly to a, uh, a conversation about the Constitutional Convention as well. So uh, we'll pick up on that here. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show continues. Like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. And make sure you hit the subscribe button and then ring the bell on YouTube to get notifications there as well. Lots of folks in YouTube this morning. Here we go. Jumping in. All right. Continuing now, Mike Shower is our guest. I just said he sounded like he was sad, like he was beat down. He's like, no, I'm angry. I'm angry that this is kind of a foregone conclusion. He thought that there was some hope that maybe they could pull all this together with a 50-50 and a constitutional amendment, but it's not looking that way, that there are powers that be, especially in finance and the Senate and the House side, that are kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes. Which, again, I don't mean to poke the bear, Mike, but doesn't that, it, it, that kind of just, what about the power of the my, of the majority? I mean, I thought you guys were all supposed to be on the same sheet of paper on this. Nobody was supposed to be out there running rogue. I mean, I. T- sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, okay. Um, hey, Mike, remember that flyer I sent you about that uh, beachfront property in Arizona? Yeah. yeah would you yeah. buy that? Please? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'd buy the that. The price That'd, is going up. You better get it now. Better get it, get it while the getting's good, huh? But yeah, I, mean, yeah, I got I got some other good stuff I want to sell you. We've definitely got sold the goods on that one, didn't we? Well, yeah, but that it just again it just raises the question of well, if this is the lie, then I mean, why are we continuing ahead thinking that anything is going to be different? Continuing to do the same thing over and over and expecting different results is insanity by definition. Are you so, calling me insane? I'm I'm thinking about it. You know, I mean, at some point you got to be like, well, wait, if if we're not equals, if we don't all have a say, if we're not all supposed, if somebody's not supposed to be off running rogue doing things that are contrary to the will of the of the majority, then what the actual hell is going on? Well, Mike, as you know, I mean, the PFD and the budget and a balanced budget solution fiscal plan working group is just one part of it, right? It's not the only thing going on. I've been working on election reform, you know, and working with the Democrat in the House on it um, for a year now, but working on that for years, working on judicial reform, a lot of things going on. I've been holding on with my fingernails with hope that somehow I might actually get a few of those things, maybe one or two of them done, because if this falls apart, those go away too. There's almost no chance because God knows what's going to come out of it. And so knowing that the PFD and having 
a lot of conversations where I thought some Democrats and Republicans were going to stick together and perhaps pull this off over the next few weeks. There's still that vestige of hope that, well, maybe there's a chance, right? You're going to get that date, you know, to the prom with the with the beautiful gal and you're the nerd, right? And they're going, well, there's a chance. Um, and so that's kind of been it, Mike. I'm still, there's still some vestige of hope in me, the, the <laughs> optimist that's going, maybe, maybe there's a chance. But I'm just telling you, my feeling right now watching it is that I just feel that tide shift starting to go the other direction. And, of course, if that happens, it's all shot to hell anyways. I mean, look, Machiki has already allowed the finance co-chairs to kill my priority piece of legislation. They killed it. There's no movement on it. It's been sitting for a year, gave a ridiculously stupid excuse for why it didn't get heard, even though everybody else's bills got heard. So to hell with the caucus of equals were not. So he's already killed my priority legislation. So what the, what's the freaking point, right? I'm trying to hold on for the last five or six weeks of this year's session going, maybe, maybe can pull enough people together. And if that falls apart over the next couple of weeks, well, I'll be frank. What is the point after that sticking together? Because well, people are just going to get screwed. Using your whole girlfriend analogy, I mean, it's like you're standing there at a 1970s tux all smudged with dirt. You got a booger hanging out of your nose, and the girl looks at you with disdain and says, uh, you know, I wouldn't date you if you were the last man on earth. And you look at her and say, so you're saying that there's a chance? So I mean, there's a chance. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's kind of the chance. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. The chance is not only vanishingly small, it's infinitesimal. It is, I mean, it is, I mean. But do, to, but do I just give up, Mike? Because the same people that you're trying to pull together over the last five, six weeks to see if there's a chance in this boat to maybe do it, if if they're not going to be on board either, if we were to break apart the caucus, what's the point? What's the point of even trying to do that? Because they're not going to be on board doing it either. But it takes. They're going to vote the other way. God dang it. I, I mean. I'm going to make the argument here, brother. It makes it takes one to stand up above the crowd and say, rally to me. Rally to me and let's do this. Let's stop sitting around, you know, with you know, in in this circle position and and let's let's rally together and do something. I mean, I think that's what it's going to take. It's going to take somebody to stand up and say, I'm mad as hell, and I'm not going to take it anymore. And this chance of a chance of a chance of a chance down to the .03 decimal place just doesn't make any sense. We've got to do it, and if we're going to do it, we should do it now. I mean, it's, I, I, and I understand the reasoning behind why you and others of the caucus are like, well, we're trying to hold it together because we might be able to get something positive out of it. We might be able – that's the game we've been playing in this state for the last 25 years. You're not wrong. You're not wrong, Mike. If I had nothing else left, I probably would do it already, um, quite frankly. But there's just one last piece of something I'm trying to get, which is that election change, you know, um, better positive steps. And I, I'm not telling you it's perfect, brother. I hear you. I'm going back to my same thing, Mike. Everything I've been telling you and trying to convince people, and the PFD is the issue, you're going to get screwed. And the only answer to that, because it's not going to come from your elected politicians, is the Constitutional Convention, brother. There is one reason above everything else to vote for the Constitutional Convention, and that is to protect your PFD moving forward before the government takes it all, before your elected politicians that are really the greedy ones that want it for government and their own pet projects and agendas are going to take it. There is one way you're going to stop it. It is the Constitutional Convention. I don't think you're going to stop it from here. 
And I don't think there's any way at this point of putting together a coalition of people that will do it. Because even if, Mike, and I'm not saying we shouldn't try it, I'm not saying we're not going to. Even if we were able to do it in the Senate, because the House is controlled by Democrats, most of who want to take the PFD for government, I don't think it matters at this point. What I'm trying to tell you is I think that's probably the fix is in and we're done for this year. I'm not completely given up. I'm just telling you what I see. I think it's probably done. The fix is in. The finance co-chairs in the Senate, they got all the allies they need in the House to shut it all down, brother. They got all they need because it's controlled by Democrats that, by and large, want to take the PFD for government, dole it out to their people in their way, and they could really care less. They'll tell how much, oh, we, we care about the people. We're for the pe- Really? You keep screwing them with the PFD and you keep voting to take it from them. I don't think you really care about the people. I think you're full of crap. But it doesn't matter what we do in the Senate, Mike. You've got to understand that, brother. It's what's going to happen in the House. It's because it's controlled by Democrats that are big government people, most of them. So they've got that's what so you got to understand the machinations that are happening. That's what's going on right now. That's why they're running in and out of the House offices. They're not coming to see me. They're not coming to see Holland. They're not coming to see Myers or Hughes or Costello. They're not hearing anything from leadership or the finance co-chairs. They're going to the House because they've got the fix. And no matter what the Senate does, oh, well, you know, we've got to worry about what the House does. We're not going to get through the House. We've got to be careful. House, House, House. Even though there's more Republicans, so-called, than Democrats, guess who controls it? That's it, Mike. So it's multiple layers. It's either going to fall back at this point to the governor having to veto it and play that game, or it's going to be the Constitutional Convention. I'm telling you what I see. I hope I'm wrong. There might be a chance, again, a chance, the next two weeks or a couple weeks or so as we get into this. But once this battle engages and we see where the votes are, we're going to know. And then that's the time to probably do what you're talking about, because everything else will be dead at that point anyways. Without question, it will be dead. So. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh look um yeah, all okay. thanks brother and it sucks no There's no good thing no it, it, and you're 100 right look i mean and maybe the con con is the only answer i mean i'm coming to the same point where i mean i'm afraid of it but at the same time i'm afraid of a live hand grenade but sometimes you got to use it you know what i mean um <laughs> it's i just you know I, I i i'm to this point to where i'm like okay look we're sending the same people back and what we need is we need, uh, you know, there's there's got to be a rallying cry. I mean, there's got, I, and I keep coming back to this, and I don't mean to belib- to, to belabor the point, but, um, you know, the, the point is, is that somebody's got to step out and say, what's going on is wrong, and I want, here's the, here's the one thing we should all be focusing on, left, right, or center, Democrat, uh, Republican, donkey, elephant, whatever, here's what it is, it's the PFD, do you care about your people? And make such an unholy stink about it that they become that kind of, you know, because I think everybody's kind of waiting for somebody else to stick their head above the crowd. They don't want to be the first one out of the gate. They don't want to be the first one to uh, break the caucus or to break the or break away from their own side or break or go across the aisle. And they're looking for somebody to say, this is the one issue. All these other we can all disagree on all this other stuff. But here's the one thing we should agree on. And yes and no, Mike. That That's true, but I'm certainly not afraid to do it. I did it in 2018 when I first got there. I did it in 2019, 2020. I'll do it again. But remember, some things have taken center stage as well for conservatives, right? And, you know, and one of the biggest issues is election, is wanting to see election reform in our system, changes to the system to make it better. And right now, everywhere I go, it's election. I mean, we just had the town hall. 
very little talk about the PFT. It was election, 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 a little bit about the judiciary, election, election. I'm going, it's a big deal. It's one of the, the key issues right. for conservatives, Republicans, and others. And I've got a chance here working on that combined, that bipartisan bill, if you will, to get something through. So I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread, Mike, because this isn't just the PFT. One of the key issues for conservatives and Republicans is some election reform. Well, I'm close to having something that might work. And so, but you it's, know, it's dead. not just but the PFD. There's other things making me want to hold on to try to get no, that through if I can. I understand. But you're, you've already said that it's basically DOA. It's, I mean, they're holding it in committee and they'll hold it. Until Mine is. But not yet. the bipartisan But one. not the bipartisan that's, one. Okay. Yeah, that's the difference. So the one that I've been working on with the House member, it's got the chance because it's got a House majority member and a Senate majority member. And even though I'm not in a caucus of equals... You know, you're gonna you're gonna now suppress the will of the House majority that they have to work with too, because they got their little drug deals about the PFD and the budget. Well, now they piss them off if they don't. You see, that's this how it works, right? Little this, little that, and that's the one thing I'm holding on to because for the people that I represent, the majority of you know conservatives, in my district, they want election reform, and this has a lot of what they want in it. And so I'm trying very desperately to hold on to that thing. It's not if it was nothing left, if that was dead too. Like, if we didn't have this bipartisan effort, it was just my bill. House already told me it's dead in arrival. I know that. But now I'm working with a House majority member that has poll, and we might be able to squeak something through that's kind of in the middle ground that accomplishes some things that both the right and the left want. So I'm hoping on to that one, because my judicial one, it's already dead. Like I said, Machiki, Senate, they killed it. It's done. It, it, there's no chance for me to get that through. So they've already they've already been successful in killing that bill from shower. Um, but this other one's a tougher problem for him to kill because it's got a lot of other support. So that's the one last piece. It's important to conservatives and Republicans, too. Um, well, not all Republicans, obviously, but a lot. And so I am holding on to that one piece. And then with the hope that over the last five or six weeks, I've been working with a lot of Democrats and some other Republicans to see if we could do that simple constitutional amendment with the 50-50 statute. I thought we had good progress. I'm just telling you, in the last week or so, I'm starting to feel that in my bones, that sea change, that, uh uh-oh, here we go again, the fix is in. And if that happens over the next two weeks, well, that means the bipartisan stuff is probably dead, too. And it's all gone. But this, Mike, is the, it's what I'm, I'm not willing to give up yet, because that means that other part that's very important to us also goes away. And I've been working on it for three years. And I've been working on it the last year plus in this session to try to take at least a step forward on the election side. And that's the only reason. Everything else has been killed and dead. Um, it's the one thing I'm holding on to and that thought and hope that we were making progress on that PFD change. But I'm not convinced at this point. I just, like I said, I'm not giving up yet. I'm just angry that well, I, sure. I feel like that fixes them. So. And the fact that the majority hasn't met a single time in this entire session is enough to just say you already you you've already been cut out. That's the worst part to me. You guys have oh, already yeah. you guys have already been cut out and kicked to the curb and the, and the adults are are in charge doing their secret meetings behind the doors and with just the two or three or four of them or whatever and the rest of you guys are sitting around twiddling your thumbs and that you know Again, I mean, I, well, I appreciate your view and where you're going on it. I just, yeah, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm angry now over the whole thing as well. I was just, you know, I just finally I, just, I spun you up. I just want to go down there and punch somebody in the face, which is why I could never be a legislator because it yeah. just wouldn't work out for me. But uh, that is exactly what probably needs to happen. 
Uh, all right, we'll hold the line. Mike Showers, our guest. The Michael Duke Show continues. We got more coming up. Uh, don't go anywhere. We will continue with him. One final segment. We'll let him talk about whatever he wants to talk about. I, I just I don't even care at this point. I'm just I'm so agitated by it. All right, we're going to uh, be back with more. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Don't go anywhere. Our light, our guide, and our trusted friend. I didn't mean to rake Mike Shower over the coals on this thing, but I just, I mean, again, <laughs> somebody in the chat room just said, vote from the rooftops. When all else fails, vote. I, that, I had that on a t-shirt once and it got me in so much trouble. Um, but uh, yeah, that's, I mean, I, I just, sometimes I feel like there is no other solution. I mean, it's the same thing that I just said to Ben Carpenter. I mean, we've changed out a huge chunk of the legislature, I Mike, know. and yet know. we've still got a handful of people in there. And they kept getting back. They keep getting back into these leadership positions. No matter how many new people we put in, put some fresh blood in the finance committees. Why the hell do we keep having the same group of four people uh, rotating in and out of the finance committee, uh, controlling the entire process? I mean, who because says Peter Machicki convinced enough people, Mike, late last year, or get this right, late twenty twenty, early twenty twenty one, convinced enough people that we had to get together with Stedman and his crowd, because if we didn't do it, then they were going to join with the Democrats and we were going to be screwed and left out in the cold. Well, I'm kind of sitting here looking at that promise and going, I kind of feel like that's what's happened to me anyways. Yeah, how could it be worse? How could it be worse at this point? I I mean, sure, put them with the Democrats. (laughs) Then they got to live with that. They got to go back to their districts and, and make that argument. Why? Sure, let them. I know. But remember, for me, one of the priorities was I know. judicial reform I know. and election reform. I know, I know. And that's been a priority goal for me and Republicans and conservatives for a couple of years. So I've been trying to work on that as my primary goal. The PFD fix is pretty much in, and that's just one more thing I and others are working on. But the problem with that one is numbers. You guys did not send enough people back. And people keep bitching about it and telling me all the problems. But you know what? You keep sending the same people back from certain districts that vote against the PFD, that want to take the PFD for government, that aren't willing to change, that have been here for decades. And if you keep sending them back, it gets really hard to beat them because now either you can't join with them and they're going to join with Democrats, so too many of who are just willing to take it all for government. And what do you expect us to do, Mike? It's an impossible situation. If I'm in the minority because they go, I'm going to hold my principle, well, there goes election reform. There goes judicial reform. Don't complain to me about that. So I go back to, I'm in an impossible situation. What do you expect me to do? Get the dividend, Mike. Get judicial reform. Get election reform. How? How do you expect me to do it with the people I'm working with in that building? Give me an answer, because I keep asking people. I asked them on Facebook earlier or last week. I put a post. I said, give me the solutions. Here's what I'm facing. 
You guys want impossible solutions. Tell me how you expect me to do it. And everybody goes, well, just just do this. Oh, just, yeah, just do, do it. That, just right? do it. I mean, come just on. Just do this. Just follow Shia LaBeouf. Just do it. I mean, just come on. Just do it. Just do I mean, it. Come on, guys. Give me a solution. I keep telling people, give me the golden ticket. Show me. Show me what will work because I haven't found it. When you show me and tell me and I go, that works, I'll do it. I'll pull that trigger in a heartbeat. Yeah, But so far, Mike, in the system that we have of governance and the numbers that are here, the solutions elude me. Yeah, Because I can do what you're saying and just get out of the caucus. Great. But there goes election reform. There goes judicial reform. We're going to lose on the PFT because we don't have the votes. So tell me how that works either. I'm going back and circling back in my best Jim Pisaki, Mike, to try to make it clear. <laughs> it's the Constitutional Convention, brother. Can't you see? The cards are stacked. The deck is stacked against us. You're not going to win. The fix is in. Yeah. In your government. It's in. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, like it. you said, even if you and Hughes and Holland and Myers, um, at, you know, all pulled together and Costello and all said, PFD, statutory, we do it now, you'd have to have a big chunk of the Democrats come over to help you. And we know that Machicki's not going to do it. We know that Stedman's not going to do it. Uh, and we know that Von Imhoff and Bishop aren't going to do it. Brevac is going to follow Von Imhoff. David Wilson is kind of the wild card, although he more than likely would vote against it. So we already know that, again, there is no political will to get that done. So I just. That's my point, Mike. And then, but people get mad and yell at us at the town hall about election reform or how bad the judges are and fix it. How do you expect me to do that if you want me to get out of the caucus? Because then I don't have a chairmanship and I got nothing. I'm just yeah. going to sit there in a minority, and I'm going to move nothing. So that's done. <clears throat> so what do you want me to yeah. freaking do? Yeah. I think Jim summates it well in the chat room. He said, the folks who listen to your show sent new people, like Myers and Gillum. But the ones who don't agree with your premise are running the state. That's the problem. That's correct. Yeah. That's true. That's 100% they of the problem. From, right there. They come from Kodiak. They come from Sitka and Ketchikan. They come from Fairbanks. They come from Juneau. Yep. And parts of Anchorage. Yep. Of course. Yeah. It's not the same all right hold 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 up don't get spun up here i got stuff to do i gotta pay a bill here too when i get back done we're going to talk a little bit about our sponsor then we're going to jump back into it with mike shower gop state senator for district d (laughs) deep breath i am so agitated so agitated by this uh, all right, we're going to continue here. Whoops, uh, I accidentally put Mike shower. I didn't. I didn't put him on hold. I hung up on him. Sorry, Mike. Hold the line. You're so mad you hung up. I was so mad I hung up. I just I mashed the wrong button. So hold the line. Uh, like and share this video on uh, Facebook and YouTube. Also like and follow the show page on Facebook, and also hit the subscribe button and ring the bell on YouTube. Let's do it. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. All right, we're about to continue with uh, Mike Shower, State Senator. But first, I got to mention uh, one of our sponsors, the Bivy Stick. Look at this thing. It's you can't see it on the radio, but it's I have it in my hand right now. Little tiny thing, Bivy Stick. 199 bucks and it turns your cell phone into a satellite communications device. Meaning you can send text messages, you can send emails, you can download weather uh, forecasts, uh, aviation, marine forecasts, regular forecasts. 
You can drop a pin and tell people where you are. You guys got a little check-in button here where you could check in and just say, hey, I'm okay, here's where I'm at. Or it's got a little red emergency button on the bottom where if you flick it and say, I'm falling and I can't get up and here's where I am. Or you can set it to drop pins every so often and track your movement if you need to. Uh, maybe you're out on the trail. Maybe you're out fishing. Maybe you're up the river. Maybe you're just driving around town. Maybe an emergency happens, an earthquake, or a typhoon, or tornado, or the zombie apocalypse. Well, guess what? Even if the towers go down, even if they're so congested by everybody trying to call everybody at once, you could still get through on your bivy stick because it uses the Iridium satellite network instead of your cell phone tower. You just connect it to your cell phone with Bluetooth, and you download the app, and you connect to it, and if you could see the sky, you get a connection. It's simple. It's easy. You got five days of continuous battery usage with 10-minute pin drops, meaning it, it, it marks your location every 10 minutes. You got no activation fees. You got plans starting as low as 14 bucks a month with rollover, and you got unlimited plans for as low as 45 bucks a month, and you could be in contact all the time. Why did you have one of these already? Sorry, I'm mad already from the past segment. So now I'm mad that you don't have a... Why don't you have a bivy stick? I mean, I don't care who you are. Snow machiner or doctor or truck driver, soccer mom, Avon lady, hunter, fisherman, whatever. You should have you one of these. In your glove box, in your purse, in your go bag, wherever you're putting it. uh, Because you can always stay in contact no matter what. $199? Why? Just... Show me the money. Just, just go ahead and shut up and take my money. 199 bucks. You can find out more at SatelliteWest.com, or you can go to the authorized dealers, including Arctic Fire in Fairbanks, Radar Alaska in Kodiak, Lundy Marine in Dutch Harbor, Communications North in Seward, South Central Radar in Homer. And if you're in Wasilla, Anchorage, or Soldotna, you can stop by your local Safe and Sound and talk to the people there. The Bivy Stick. I don't know why I didn't get one of these earlier. But I probably because I didn't know about it. So I'm telling you about it right now. 199 bucks. Stop what you're doing and go get one right now. Well, they're probably not open yet. But as soon as they open, go over there and get one. 199 bucks. Shut up. All right. Sorry. I should never do an ad when I'm angry because it's just yeah. Why isn't everybody doing what I do? Uh, Mike Showers, our guest. Final segment, my friend. You get to free reign. I I just you know. I'm going to say something inappropriate if I get too wound up about this because I'm just so agitated. So final thoughts here. Hit me with what you got going on. Well, first of all, I have to wonder if I need a bivy stick because I'm up the creek without a paddle here in June. You do. So you need a bivy maybe, stick. You should carry. I should have one with the emergency button on it. Yeah. <laughs> Help me. I've fallen. I'm on the Senate floor and I can't get up. I mean, you know, this is what you need. Uh, one on everybody's desk. You're a pilot. Um, you need one of these no matter where you are. I think it's important to highlight what we did on the break there because I know not everybody hears it. You know, you asking why don't we do something different, and they need to understand that, Mike. We could, those of us that are trying to fight for the PFD could break out of our caucus, but then they're just going to rejoin with the people that have, there's enough of them to have a majority that's not going to do it anyways. And then the other things that are important to conservatives, Republicans, undeclares, et cetera, like election reform, judicial reform, although they've, like I said, they've effectively already killed judicial reform this year, this session. Um, election reform still on the table, and that's one thing I'm holding on to that's important because I've got movement. They haven't been able to kill that yet because it's got a lot of bipartisan support, and that's the one thing I might be able to do. It might fall apart anyways, so be it. Um, but 
you know, like you said, whoever had summed it up on the break there, looking at it, he's like, you know, well, the problem, one of the problems we face is that everybody on this program, most people, they agree, they want the PFD, et cetera. You know, they're more conservative, more on the right. But guess what? Kodiak isn't. Juno's not. Parts of Anchorage aren't. Whole west side of Fairbanks isn't. So, you know, um, when you think that we should just do it, there's other considerations that make you think, well, maybe I can't yet or don't want to because of this. And just do it doesn't work when they won't just do it in Juneau with their representatives and senators, or they won't just do it on the west side of Fairbanks with their senators and reps or in Anchorage or whatever. So the state is not the same, and the state is not all red, and not everybody in the state wants the big PFD. They want more big government. They want more money for education. They want more money for whatever. So just realize, you know, for the folks listening, it ain't so simple when you're here because there's about a thousand competing different things going on and trying to pull enough cats together into the herd to actually move in one direction is a daunting problem, clearly, or we would have already solved it. So anyways, we'll see. But I just wanted to highlight that off the break because I think a lot of people get that, you know, they see this this chamber, this echo chamber on the Duke show and they go, yeah, I go, yeah, but why don't you look at the echo chamber in Juno? It ain't like that. Why don't you look at the echo chamber in Kodiak? It ain't like your chamber here, brother. It's different. And these people sent representatives that are more like them that I'm dealing with here. So, you know, that's the problem with this system of government. It ain't a dictatorship. I can't just come in and make everybody do what I want or the majority of my district wants because it doesn't work that way. And unfortunately, there's not enough people that are thinking the way my district does or the way they've asked me to represent or what they want to see done to make it work so far. We've got some cutouts, right? you got the governor might veto and help with that. That could happen. We've got the the leverage of perhaps a constitutional convention that we haven't had in the battle thus far for seven years. That's the difference, because now we have a real chance for change that the people could actually execute, and they could bypass the legislature. They could bypass the courts. The people could solve this themselves at a constitutional convention and save the PFD, hopefully forever. They could look at things like the spending cap to prevent government from doing this moving forward. Right. But the people are going to have to do it. If it's not crystal clear this part into the battle that this government will not, for a hundred different reasons and agendas and narratives, I don't know what else you need to see for evidence that they will not solve the problem. So when you summate all of that together, the only answer I see viable, which is why I feel in my bones, as I've been telling you for the last hour, that the tide is shifting once again, Charlie Brown, and they're going to pull the football out. The fix is in. You watch. I hope I'm wrong over the next couple of weeks, but you watch. I can see it and listen to the little things people are saying. And I go, here we go again. As Ronald Reagan would say, what was that debate he had? He's like, there you go again. You know, um, that's kind of what's happening here. So I go back to, I'll do my best. Over the next few weeks to try to make the battle to pitch, I'll put in for the full, put in for 50-50, amend it, vote, argue, debate, but don't have the numbers ultimately. And that's what I feel is going to happen. So I'll hold on for a little while, Mike, try to see if I can do something with the election reform, um, because that's important to a lot of people. And But, you know, if that all falls apart, well, then we're just done anyways. So we'll know in the next few weeks probably. But it's not so simple as just do this like we started out with, you know, 45 minutes ago, because there's other considerations and they're important ones too. Right. Well, and we've done, I mean, we've already done part of this, right? We've sent a whole bunch of new people to Juno. We've sent a majority of Republicans to Juno and here's where we're at. And so a majority of Republicans, some of whom are, 
as some people would call them, rhinos or right. moderates yeah. or don't support the PFD. So they're not all ours are not created equal. Well, brother. I mean, they, that's the, Democrats. So it's it's almost leading me to believe that changing the players is not going to matter anyway. So just do the con con and, and make it work. But I mean, at, you see how that works. Look at your circling right back to constitutional convention. Yeah, I mean, look at that. Well, I mean, that's what I'm, I'm saying. That <laughs> that's essentially what you're saying. Am I wrong? I mean, that no. That I mean, no. that changing the players is no longer going to work because we've changed the players and look at what happened. But you reached that conclusion without me having to say it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm I like I said, I'm afraid of hand grenades too, but it doesn't mean that I won't use one if I have to. Um, I, I'd love to say we could do it, Mike, but look at it seven years running and nothing's changed. Bill Walker gave us this disaster. Thank you very much. And he put his name back in the hat for governor. God help us. He'll finish the job he started and, and the people he will bring in. So, I mean, and that's a real threat, right? Because he's got name recognition and he's got a bunch of people like Kathy Giesel, you know, who jumped on, which is interesting because I, you know, saw the districts that happened. I can't, I don't know where it came from. You know, I didn't write it and I can't claim credit for it, but my two districts and their district conventions this past weekend both censored Kathy Giesel. Appropriate. I mean, the, yeah. the wording of it was appropriate. It was for her treatment of other Republicans and supporting, you know, a basically a Democrat over a sitting Republican governor because she's endorsed him, jumped on his campaign. I'm like, you know, it's like, good Lord. I mean, so these are Republicans folks yeah, yeah. that I was working with down here. And you wonder why I can't get anything done like you want? Yeah, exactly. All right. God help us. That's it. We're done. Stop. All right. All right, we'll this see you. Funny. I'm actually more calm than you today. That's yeah, unusual. great. We'll see you next week. Mike Shower, <laughs> thank you for coming on board. Uh, be kind to one another. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. We'll see you tomorrow. I, yeah, no, I'm angry. I'm upset. I'm, uh, you know, because in part of it is just because our back's against the wall. I mean, we've been so twisted by the politics of the situation. I mean, starting with the whole Kelly Merrick thing, and uh, you know, and everything else, and, and Rasmussen, and then the whole Peter Machicki, you know, cajoling with the the with the the Bert Stedman stuff, and the, the von Imhoff, and everything else. I mean, I'm just so angry because you know the 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 essential. I guess here's the easiest way to say it: we got played, we got played hard, and they continue to play us because they know how to play the game. They know mm-hmm. how to work the politics. They know how mm-hmm. to how to twist the things, and they know how to look at your face, look you right in the face, and lie to you. Mm-hmm. And because we're mostly, you know, because most of us out here are honest people, we don't expect people to necessarily lie to us. Or at least if even if we're cautious, we're like, oh, well, you could be trusted because you're wearing the elephant on your lapel or whatever the hell we say. And the bottom line is, is that we got screwed. You know, they didn't even they didn't even give us the courtesy of a cigarette after it was all done. And they're just like, you know, just lay there and think of England. Uh, I mean, that's exactly where we're at right now. Kind of sort of true, Mike, and and I, it's an interesting because I I had a small dialogue with a lady on Facebook earlier um, in the week, and she was complaining about there they are, go again, caving as usual, you know that's what they're good at, blah blah. I said you know that's I said that's fair, fair criticism, not just caving. Some of us have fought for it, some of us just lied to you, you know it depends on who it is. I said but just remember one thing, as bad as it is with Republicans controlling it, don't don't believe that the Democrats would be better. Because and she was arguing about the PFD and us caving on it. Right. Do you think if the Democrats had control of the Senate and the House that your PFD would be protected? It would already be in statute at $500 and the rest of it going to government. So right. while I'm not trying to tell you that you know Republicans are clearly not solving the problem, if you think that voting them all out or putting Democrats in control would be better, well, that's Zach Fields. 
that's um, uh, Garen Tarr, that's uh, somebody like uh, uh, Rep Hannon, the ones that, you know, Adam Wool, the ones that have already said they're going to Ivy Sponholms, that are going to take the PFD, that propose taking the PFD. So I'm, what I'm telling you is, I don't know what your great options are, <laughs> because if you think getting rid of Republicans for the Democrats are going to make it better for you, that ain't going to happen either. So my point is, you don't have a lot of good choices, depending on what district you're in and who's representing you. As far as the battle over the PFD, primarily is what I'm talking about, right? So, um, you know, there's a handful of D's that are supportive. There's, there's a few more, but, you know, really still a small amount of R's. That really support it and everybody else doesn't well we saw the same kind of caving last time when the governor made his vetoes and we had a bunch of republicans that were holding off in the minority and then all of a sudden not in my backyard you can't cut that program and then they just rolled over and wet on themselves and and totally undercut his position anyway so i mean i yeah. you know it, it's it's oh it's so infuriating this is why i could not be in politics uh, i'll just tell you right now this is exactly why i could not be in politics for that exact reason Mike, so, that's what, what you're frustrated about and how you feel is what I feel here every single day. I don't want to be here anymore surrounded by people that don't follow through on what they promise. I don't want to be here on people that tell their districts one thing but do something entirely different, which usually ends up screwing the middle class and the poor. I don't want to be a part of it. I'm trying to battle it, but, you know, then you get on. We have these conversations like this, and people yell at you and say, just do this, just do this. I'm like... What do you guys think I'm trying to do down here? You think I'm just sitting around doing nothing? <laughs> Come on, guys. I'm trying, but I'm outvoted every well, time. It, it, becomes the every least, time. It, it always becomes the least worse option, right? Because you're trying to get something done, but you can't get it, so then you compromise, and, and, and you still can't get it. It ends up being the least worse option, and unfortunately— and then you get yelled at for compromising. You yeah, exactly. Oh, well, you're right. I should hold the line, do nothing, and you're going to get screwed anyways, and then you're going to be mad at me that got screwed. Yeah. But you told me to hold the line. I could have compromised and got you something slightly better, you know, not as good as you wanted, but better than what you got. But you'd be mad at me for caving. So see what I mean? You can't win. Yeah. No, no matter I mean, what you do, people in this program yell at you no matter what well, you do. Well, that, that's bound to happen anyway. I've got no, I mean, I've got no qualms about that. I understand that for sure. But, uh, you know, again, you're a better man than I am because uh, I would probably be, they handcuffs, a major sergeant at arms would be dragging me <laughs> off the floor. Um, but you know, that, that, that is, um, uh, that is frustrating. And like I said, it's going to come down to, uh, it's going to come down to, I guess the con con is what we're kind of having to look at this because obviously these politicians have no interest in fixing what's wrong, period. The, and when I say the politicians, I'm talking about these politicians, the ones that are in charge, the ones that are in the leadership, the ones that are going into these closed door meetings and, and skirting around the caucuses and everything else and doing their own thing. They're the, they know better than us. Well, Michael, I will tell you, I don't want the Constitutional Convention either. It's not the best way. I just have, have realized and believe it's going to be the only way. Not because I want to, but I don't think there's going to be any viable way of us solving it. And so many of yep. them say they don't want it, they're afraid of it, they don't like it. I go, but you're handing it to me on a silver platter. You're forcing us by your actions here, Democrats and Republicans, to have to go down the path of a constitutional convention because you will not solve the problem. You will not solve it in an enduring, sustainable, long-lasting way. And if you're not going to do it, waiting for 10 more years clearly is not the right answer. So while I don't want to go down this path, they're making us go down this path, Mike. Right. We can't wait another decade to solve it. It's now or never. And so that's the point. It's like if they say they don't want a constitutional convention, then help me solve the problem. But they're not. So I know I don't want to go here. 
But what else do you expect us to do at this point? Because they're pushing us and basically forcing us to have to say yes to a constitutional convention. I don't know what else to do. You get the final word. I, I don't got, know. I, I, that is my final I word. I got no other words <laughs> other than ones I got no that, more words. I got no more words <laughs> other than ones that wouldn't be kind of gentle. Radio. Well, appropriate on the even appropriate on YouTube at this point. All right, um, Mike Shower, thanks for coming in, my friend. We're out of time. All right, brother. We'll talk to you next week. All right, uh, talk to you. Uh, talk to you later. Appreciate you coming on board. Um, oh yeah, I'm gonna hide that comment. You know, <clears throat> I appreciate you guys coming in and uh, being part of it today. Thank you for uh, hanging out with us. Tomorrow's another day. We're gonna have to do. We're gonna have to do something. I don't know what, but there you go. Thanks for being part of it today. If you didn't like the show, just click the close button now, and don't ever come back if you didn't like it. If you liked it, hit the share button. Hit the share button. Like and follow the show page. Subscribe and hit the bell on YouTube. Share from YouTube. Do all that. We gotta go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show